Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com forward slash brain. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month today. Life presents the toughest challenges. Every day you are faced with decisions that test your ability to express who you really want to be in this world. We're told to keep saying affirmations and keep thinking positively, but what do you do when that stuff doesn't work? Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain, where you'll learn to make decisions that are right for you so that you can create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Paul Coliani and I'm here to help you increase your emotional intelligence so that you can avoid dysfunction, handle toxic situations with grace and ease, and show up as your authentic self. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for information on educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. I have an interesting topic Uh, at least in this first segment. I don't know how long it will go if I'm going to talk about the entire show, but I get a lot of emails or quite a number of emails about relationships. And that's uh, when I decided to create Love and Abuse, my other podcast last year. I decided, you know, there's so many questions that come in about relationships because we're we're all in relationships of some sort, even if we're alone right now, which a lot of us are. Uh, But we're all in relationships of some sort. We have family, we have friends. And um, the relationships that I talk about over on Love and Abuse are the more difficult ones. But there are also times in our relationships that we have trouble that we just want to know how to get through that trouble or find closure in that trouble, you know, with that trouble. And uh, if we can't find closure, what do we do? Or if we have talked about it with the person what do we do? So like I was saying, love and abuse, you can go to loveandabuse.com if you're interested in that. Um, but the reason I bring that up is because I've received a lot of emails over the years on relationships, like I've said, and there's a common theme when it comes to getting emails from someone who is younger. And I'm talking about in their teens and 20s. When I get an, a relationship email from someone in their teens and 20s, there's always a common theme. And it's also prevalent in certain people that are older as well. But the common theme that keeps coming up for me or in these emails is the comment, I haven't found the right person yet. And every time I get into a relationship, it fails. I'm worried that I'll never find anyone. And I see my friends or my family getting into these relationships, these long-term relationships, and they're all happy. But I keep getting these fails. I keep getting these relationships that are toxic or they don't last. And then they think, is it me? You know, am I doing something wrong? And I was the same way in my 20s. I got into a relationship and then it would fail. And then I would cry (laughs) or get depressed and think that the world was ending and I would never find happiness. So my first comment about this is that If you're in your teens or 20s and you're trying to get into a relationship, a good relationship, a long-term relationship, 
be lenient on yourself and be lenient on the idea that you're also still very, very young. And I don't mean to say that you're childish or immature. It's not that at all. I mean, some people are. <laughs> it's not that at all. What I'm trying to say is that because you're at an age where you're still learning about the world, even though some people think that they know about the world, you're still learning about the world, especially other people. In fact, you may know a lot about the world, but you know very little about other people. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm not trying to insult anyone here, but it is true. Even when you get in your 40s and 50s, you still have a problem trying to figure out certain people because everyone shows up the way they show up and it's not like you. Sometimes it's like you, you know, very rarely you can find someone that's like you, but most of the time, most people aren't like you, at least in most respects. And because of that, you will discover differences that you will either like or not like. And so when you're in your teens and your 20s and you are trying to get into a romantic relationship and you find someone that is the perfect person and then a month later you break up, you're thinking, what the heck just happened? I don't know. How come I can't keep a relationship? Why is this failing? What am I doing wrong? Is it me? It's not you. It's not them. It's what happens when you're in your teens and 20s. I hate to tell you that. And this doesn't happen to everyone. Some people find the love of their lives in high school and they stay with them for the rest of their lives. That happens. And that's good luck and good fortune. And when it happens and they're happy, that is rare. I can only think of one friend in my life when I went to high school that, or two friends, they got together and they're still together today. They seem happy. But how often does that happen? And so what I'm saying here right now is when you meet someone in your teens and 20s, if you're listening right now and you're in this age range and you're looking for a relationship, remember that you are pretty much in an experimental stage. You're in the discovery stage. You are in the figuring things out stage. And the chance of getting a healthy long-term relationship, the chances are slim. That sounds so depressing. I know. And hear me out. Because when you're at that age, because you don't know everything that you can run into with someone else, meaning you don't know everyone else's nuances, you don't know all of their behaviors or their quirks, or even their addictions, their vices, their bad habits. You don't know any of this stuff. And you don't know how they treat other people or how they were treated when they were younger. They may share it with you, but you end up finding out how they were treated by the way they treat you eventually. There's usually a correlation there. But it doesn't come out until a month or two after you start are settling into the relationship. Or you know, sometimes longer, but you have to start settling into the relationship to find out their true selves. The problem is we can get sucked into a relationship uh, so deeply that when we find out we're already in love, we're already committed to that person and we don't want to lose that person. And we love what we're getting from that person and the way we feel and the experiences that we're sharing. Yet sometimes we find stuff out about them or the way they treat us 
that make us feel bad or it hurts. You know, where's the love? Where's the emotional connection? And we're not getting it. Or how come they're not treating me well? How come they're talking to those other people that they know hurts me? You know, if you're a woman with a man and the man's talking to other women in a way that's flirty and you're looking at that going, wow, that hurts. And I'm feeling jealous and I'm feeling insulted. And what do I do now? If you're in your teens and 20s, I'm afraid that this can happen more often than when you're older. Now, it does happen when you're older. It happens at any age. But it sure seems like the younger you are, the more experimental your relationships are. And I'm only telling you this not as a depressing uh, fact of life. I'm telling you actually to give you some optimism about the future. Because when you're in a relationship that young, you have to remember that the relationship is either going to evolve into something better or you're, it's going to devolve and you're going to figure out that it's not right for you. The trick is to be very aware of yourself and how much you've committed to someone regardless of the nuances and unhealthy behaviors that you see. And this is where people get stuck. I think when we're young, we commit to things before we know how unhealthy they are. I mean, that's probably not the best way to put it. Let's put it this way. We commit to things before we find out that there might be something that we should consider before committing. Because when we're younger, we commit, we go all in. You know, a lot of us did. We went all in to the relationship because it felt so good and we wanted this feeling all the time. So when we're young, we jump into these things head first and then a few months later, we're in this relationship that's not working out or has unhealthy components to it. And so it's harder to get out of that type of relationship when we discover these unhealthy components because we're so committed to it. And we're so reliant on this other person for our happiness and so many other things. We've integrated them into our lives and made them part of our identity. When I talk about me, it's always me and this other person. When I talk about this other person, it's always this other person that is associated to me. There's an interlinking and definitely a combining of identities. And what that means is, It's not just that person exists and I'm spending time with that person. It's that person is a part of me now. And when I talk about my life, that person is in my descriptions, in my stories. And they become very integrated in our lives. And we tend to do this when we're younger at a much faster rate and usually in a much more naive way. Like we tend to be a little bit more vulnerable to what might be an unhealthy situation because we want a happy feeling so badly. We want to feel loved. We want to feel worthy. And when we get that, especially in the beginning of a relationship, uh, we want more of that. So we are willing to let down our guard, trust more, and hope more that things will work out best. And then when signs come up that they're not working out like we wanted, Our hope increases and our faith that it will change can increase. And 
the relationship tends to continue if it's going down a bad path, continuing to go down that bad path. And if you're a young person and you are in this type of relationship, you will be more affected by the relationship. And if the relationship continues to go down that path and then you end up breaking up, then you are more likely to be affected because you haven't had as many relationships as people that are older than you have had. And it's important to remember that because, again, when you're in your teens and 20s, you're in this very experimental stage. You don't know what's going to work and what's not. And you really have to see it that way. Not that you shouldn't fully commit to people, but you should keep your radar on and keep an awareness about you. And especially, and this is sort of my main point in this segment, especially raise your standards. And this applies across the board to everyone. Raise your standards because what happens is somebody in your life does something that affects you in a negative way. And you will either let it go or you'll address it or you'll be upset or, you know, there's a number of things that will happen when somebody does something that affects you in a bad way. And you have an opportunity to honor your standards. You can align those with values too. Uh, You can honor your values, honor your standards and say, no, that's not acceptable to me. I don't want that in my life. Or you can let it slide where you're basically saying, look, I have a standard, but you violated that standard. I'm going to let it slide, uh, but I don't like it. That's okay too, once. That's okay maybe twice. But after three times, I mean, when we allow something to slide, I think that we should only allow it once. Now, that doesn't mean if it's three years later and it happens a second time, maybe we can let it slide again. I mean, you decide what the length of time between and how often it happens. It's totally up to you. My preference is that if it happens once and we say, hey, look, that goes against my values, that goes against my standards, that can't happen again. That shouldn't happen again. That really hurts me or that really insults me or that doesn't feel very good. Please stop doing that. That's my standard. When you create or put forth that standard into a communication in your relationship and it's made clear, then there's really nothing to, more to talk about. I mean, you can certainly talk about it, but the standard should be followed. The, the standard should be known. And the reason I'm emphasizing this is because I will get letters from people or I will talk to my clients and they will say things. In fact, let me just read you something here. There's somebody who wrote to me um, a while back that said a bunch of stuff that her partner was doing. Uh, she said that he was disappearing at night. Uh, a female friend greeted him with a kiss on the lips and hung out on him all night. And um, he was changing his ex's names in his phone. His phone was somehow shutting off, so he says, so she couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, he introduced her to his friends as a friend. And the list, she goes on, is endless. And she's embarrassed and ashamed. She gave him so many chances. And so she goes on and says a lot more stuff. I mean, I could, she goes really, she really does go on and on. 
And it's it's hard because I'm reading all this stuff and anyone that says, well, wait a minute, he disappears at night. Shouldn't that be something that needs to stop right away or at least talk about? And that would be a standard. Like you disappear at night and you don't tell me where you are or you make up an excuse every time or we were supposed to spend time together. That's, I would say, a standard. At minimum, a relationship value where you're not getting enough time together and you want more time together. At most, a standard where you can say, look, I have standards. I don't want to be with someone who disappears at night and I can't figure out where they are and they won't be totally honest about where they are. That doesn't work for me. I know not everyone listening is in their teens or 20s, but there are some people out there. But it's helpful at any age to adopt standards or know your standards and then enforce them and be congruent with yourself when you have standards that when this standard is violated, you are realistic about it. And what I mean by that is this person wrote to me and she was in a relationship for 10 months and all of this stuff was going on. And standard after standard after standard was was violated. I'm going to say that she didn't really have those standards or if she did, she didn't honor those standards and she should have. And she knows this. I'm not trying to put her down. I'm not trying to say that she was wrong or bad. I'm saying that um, she is sharing this stuff in a vulnerable way, telling me that she did all of this and she realizes, you know, I don't think this is her words, but she realizes how stupid it was to allow this stuff to continue. But her story, her message, I think needs to be conveyed to the world right now, where when you don't get very clear on what you will accept and you won't accept, what your standards are, that you will allow bad behavior to go on indefinitely. And, you know, she does go on to say, I was afraid of losing the relationship. This tells me that she is allowing her standards and her values to be violated over and over again just because she wants to keep a relationship that violates her standards. She didn't say that. I'm saying that when you decide to stay in a relationship that the other person clearly violates the standards of a relationship or the values that you appreciate in a relationship, that you are choosing to keep someone who violates those standards in your life. So there is some responsibility here for sure. Because when you choose to keep someone who violates your standards, you can no longer blame them for doing it. They've already shown their cards. They already show you who they are, which means you now have a choice to allow them to stay in your life or not. And the problem is, and this is what was happening with her, is that this other person would come up with these grand excuses, these wonderful stories that would explain everything away. And she would take them as truth, even though her standards were violated. And this is where it gets tricky, because what do we do when we're in that in-between stage of, well, that person violated my standards, but they do have this story that seems to fit. Here's my advice when it comes to this. The story doesn't matter. The standard does. The story doesn't matter. It doesn't. I mean, they're going to tell you, I mean, somebody who's really trying to pull the wool over your eyes, they're going to tell you 
anything that you want to hear just to get past the moment where the spotlight is on them. They're going to tell you anything. And it could be true. I mean, I won't, I'm not saying that everything they say is a lie. Some people do have truthful stories, but it doesn't matter. That's not the problem. The problem is the standard. The standard got violated. Don't even let it get to the story stage at this point, at least in your mind. You have to stop at the standard part. So you have a standard. For example, your standard is, hey, I want to spend time with you at night, but you're gone every night and I don't know you're leaving and you only tell me later or tomorrow where you were. I don't like that. It's not part of my standards. It doesn't make me feel very good being in a relationship with someone where I don't know where they disappear to. So I have a standard where I don't want to be with someone who simply disappears, doesn't keep in touch, and then makes up some story every time we're back together. So that's my standard. So you you stopped at the standard, even though there's a story associated with why they violated that standard. But what you're doing is making it clear. You're setting a boundary. You're saying, this is a problem. I don't want it in my life. Now, what this does is present the other person with the opportunity to change their behavior or not. Because if they don't change their behavior and they repeat this violation, do you really want someone in your life that continues to repeatedly violate your standards? The answer is no. I'm going to answer it for you. You do not want someone in your life that continually violates your standards. And, you know, I, I relate this to being younger and having relationships when you're younger. This is where we develop these standards. This is where we have an opportunity to say, you know what? I have standards. So you can't do this if you want to be with me. Period. It doesn't go beyond that. You can't do, yes, but I have this great excuse. I I can tell you exactly what happened. That's fine. And that excuse may be legitimate, but you can't do this behavior while you're with me. Yeah, but the reason I did it, that's fine. I don't care about the reason. That's fine. From this point forward, you can't do this while you're with me. I don't want it in my life. I don't want it in my relationships. I have standards. Don't be afraid to have standards. Don't be afraid to stand up for yourself and honor yourself and know and enforce your boundaries and your values and make sure that you're aware of your standards. Like this person says, okay, he disappeared at night. I talked about that to death. Uh, A female friend greeted him with a kiss on the lips and she hung out on him, she said, and her hanging on him the entire night. So let's just say that in your life, friends of the opposite sex, if you're a heterosexual couple, friends of the opposite sex, don't kiss your boyfriend or girlfriend. That sounds like a a pretty decent standard to me. It may not work for everyone that's listening. Some people are polyamorous. Some people have really, really close friendships. Not up to me to judge. I'm just saying in a typical relationship, someone that the other person could actually have a potential to be in a relationship, kisses them on the lips, it could be a problem for most relationships. For me, it would be a problem if a a guy came up and kissed my girlfriend on the lips and then they hung out together all night. Uh, (laughs) Hello, I'm right here. Uh, That's a problem. I have standards. I have values. And you're violating that value or you're violating that standard. So I will not be able to accept that behavior in my life. So that might mean that 
let's just say my girlfriend didn't have that standard. Let's just say that she was open and that's how she hung out with her friends. That's how it went. Then I have to come back to myself and question myself and ask, is this a person I want to keep in my life? Now, that may be the most painful question ever because I don't want to lose this relationship. I don't want to lose a grand source of my happiness. You know, I'm just kind of playing the role here. I don't want to be alone. I have so much invested in this relationship. I'm so committed. Why would I even bring that question up? It's not about that. It's not about that. That's what I would do to convince myself. It can't be about just breaking up. I I need to talk about this. I need to get past this. I need to let her know that I'm upset about this. Well, I could do that, and that would certainly be a step in the right direction, but I also need to focus on what is right for me. What is my standard? What are my values in a relationship? What are my personal boundaries? That's really what it comes down to. What are my personal boundaries? And when you're younger, this is a great, great time to establish those because you need to be very clear of what you will and won't accept in your life at any age, but you know, when you're younger, great time to establish it. And this is the conversation I would have with myself. If my girlfriend did that, if I witnessed it and I didn't like it, which I wouldn't, I would ask myself, is this something I can live with? Is this type of behavior something I want in my life, in my relationship? And my answer would be no, I can't handle that. I wouldn't be able to handle that. And I would have to say, look, if that's your behavior and you don't plan on changing that behavior, I can't be with you because I need to be with someone who actually honors my standards, who actually values a relationship like I do. And yes, I would have to take a loss. I would have to make a sacrifice because I would lose someone that's so important to me just because I couldn't handle that. Now, does this mean that later on I would think about it and go, you know, it's not as bad as I think it is. It could happen. You know, my standards could change. Your standards could change. You could come to different levels of acceptance. You may have a perception of that type of behavior as totally non-threatening, and that's fine. As long as you don't feel threatened or carry an emotionally charged thought about it. And what I mean by that is an emotionally charged thought is when someone does something that you don't like and you're unable to get that feeling out of your body. And every time they bring it up or every time you see a reminder of what you don't like or hear a reminder or read a reminder of what you don't like, you get triggered. That emotional trigger rises up in you. Then that's what I mean is you're holding on to a a negatively charged thought, so to speak. And whenever you have that thought, it creates a negative feeling inside of you. And if you're carrying that around, then you live a miserable, I mean, it's very miserable existence. I did this during my marriage. I did this through most of my relationships. It's a miserable, miserable feeling to be carrying around negatively charged thoughts. And those are the emotional triggers that are formed at the time that we haven't resolved yet. And so let's just say that I saw my girlfriend kissing a guy on the lips and they hung out together and it really bothered me, but I didn't want to say anything because I know she'll get mad and I know she'll just say, oh, come on, we're just friends. And so I hold it in. I stuff it way down and I hold on to it for years. And it's a negatively charged thought. And every time I think about it, every time I see her with another guy, even if they don't kiss or touch, it bothers me because that thought comes up. 
Or every time I see it on TV, like a friend kissing a friend, it would bother me. Or I saw it on the magazine or read about it on a, in a blog article, whatever. It would bother me and it would become an emotional trigger. And in that moment, and who knows, it might last for hours, but in that moment, I feel bad. I feel angry. I feel hurt. And it repeats. I mean, that's post-traumatic stress. It continues to reappear in my life because of that recurring thought. So these negatively charged thoughts that we carry around with us, they start off as some event that we didn't resolve. And if you don't resolve it, you hold on to it. And again, life's pretty miserable because you keep getting triggered. And it's even worse when you have no outlet, no way to express or vent this trigger and you just hold it in. And what ends up happening is that you compound this trigger that happens to you. You send it back and you compound what's already in there. And what it ends up doing is causing your mind and body to depress. Yes, it leads to depression. That's at least one way to get to depression is you continue repressing these thoughts and repressing these bad feelings. You stuff them back down without them ever getting expressed. And this is why so many young people get depressed. I mean, this is one of the reasons that so many young people get depressed. They have all these negative thoughts and feelings and they just don't feel safe enough and they can't be vulnerable enough to share it with anyone. And they feel like if they do share it, they'll be either ridiculed or laughed at or put down or they feel so vulnerable they'll be hurt even more. So they hold it in, they stuff it down. And that's just so dangerous. It's, it's hurtful to yourself when you keep it down there. Which is why, coming a roundabout way back to standards, it's important to understand what your standards are and make sure that you are making your standards clear so when they're violated, you can bring it up and say, look, I will not tolerate that. I will not allow that into my life. You need to stop that behavior. I'm not saying you have to use those words, but you do have to bring this up. Otherwise, you'll stuff it down. You'll stuff down your thoughts and feelings about it. Let's see, I'm going to do one more thing here. She said, he introduced her as his friend. This is a standard. This is where you have an opportunity to say, well, no, I'm not his friend. I'm his girlfriend. You can speak right up. You can say it right there. Call him out on it. I mean, it may not be the best thing to do at the moment. You could certainly save it for later. But I would certainly have the conversation later on where I told this person, look, I am not your friend. I am your girlfriend. I do not want to be introduced as your friend. And then I would want to know why. Why did you call me your friend? And then they'll come up with some excuse. But inside you'll think, no, that's not good enough because there's something else going on here. There would be no reason for him to call me his friend. There would be no reason for that. So there's a violation going on. You don't like it. This may be the one opportunity that you let slide, but you also make it known. That can't happen again. I don't want you to call me your friend. Do you really think I'm your friend? What do you think? I mean, have that conversation for sure, but also make it clear that you are offended by it, that you're insulted by it, that you feel disrespected by it, and you won't tolerate it again. I know there's risk when you do this. I'm not talking about physical risk. If there's physical risk and they're a violent person, then you don't want to have these types of conversations. It's a different show, a different time. Uh, you may not want to be in that relationship, but I'm talking about the risk to your heart. I'm talking about the risk to your 
um, emotional core. Yes, they may get upset. They may leave you. But that's the risk you take for honoring yourself. Because if you can't be with someone that doesn't honor you honoring yourself, you're probably not with the right person anyway. And not only will your life be miserable from holding in all these negatively charged thoughts, but your life will be miserable because they keep doing behaviors that violate your standards. And you will just not be happy. And I don't want you to be that way. I want you to remember that, let me come back to talking to the young people. When you're young, yes, set those standards and also be aware and be okay that relationships aren't necessarily designed to last forever when you start off young. That sounds miserable. I know it does. But this should be a great opportunity for you to start things slow, go through the relationship slowly, don't dive in head first and get married three months later. You want to take your time and get a feel for the other person because they're still trying to figure out life too. I mean, if they're in that age range, uh, typically, the younger the person is, the less experience they have in life, in relationships, and they need everyone. I needed more experience as I went through my teens and 20s and in, in, even into my 30s. I needed to continue experiencing all the facets and nuances and technicalities of relationships because they were so complex and I always dove in head first. I always committed from day one. I was on, you know, I was there. I was totally infatuated. I was in love and this was it. That was the person that was going to make me happy for the rest of my life. I'm never leaving. I'm totally loyal. And instead of taking it day by day and getting to know them and understand their nuances and understand their behaviors and making sure that they're treating me the way I want to be treated and making sure that they are not violating my relationship values and they are within a normal range of standards for me, I was totally risking my own emotional sanity because when you're in these types of relationships and you are committed full on, if they end up showing you any type of behavior that is unhealthy or hurtful to you, it's a lot easier to get out of a relationship that you took slowly and you kept a watchful eye on than one that you dove in head first and went all in. And again, I'm not saying that you necessarily shouldn't do that. Well, maybe I am. You probably shouldn't dive into a relationship that fast. It probably should take a few months. It should take some time before you go, this is the person I want to spend the rest of my life with. Just remember, teens and 20s, if you're in that age range, you're going to experience so much more life after your 20s, assuming you're healthy and everything goes well. And because of that, you have to remember that teens and 20s relationships have less of a chance of being the long-term perfect relationship for you than one you'll find later on in life. And I don't want that to be a depressing thought to you. I want it to be an enlightening thought to you. I want it, I want it to make you feel better because this person who wrote to me, she was 24. She's probably like 25 or 26 now. She wrote to me when she was 24 years old thinking that, oh my God, there's something wrong with me. No, there's not. There's nothing wrong with you. In fact, what you're experiencing, unfortunately, is perfectly normal for this age you're just going to have to go through some trials and tribulations to figure out what works best for you. And after the experimental stage and the push in the boundary stage of your early 20s and even into your 30s, 
you get into that point where you start to take relationships a little bit slower and you realize, you know, when I dive head first, I kind of get in trouble. So what I'm going to do is just take it slow, get to know them. And also, and this is the most important part, I've already said it several times, know your values, know your standards, know your criteria. So when that criteria is violated, you can stand up and say, no, that's not going to work. So you don't get into so many deeply committed, terrible relationships. That's usually how you avoid it. I'm not saying it works every time, but knowing your standards, knowing your values, and um, enforcing those when it comes up gives the other person an opportunity to honor those values, honor those standards, or gives them a chance to say, you know what, this relationship isn't for me because I want to do those things, or I can't measure up to those standards. And that has to be fine because this is the point where we say, look, I'm going to honor you and your standards. You just need to honor mine. And if their standards don't fit in with yours, then it's not going to work out anyway. And you need to know this. And this doesn't like resolve all the heartache and the pain that you're going to go through. It's going to happen. But know that there are greater days ahead. There's always a greater day ahead. Just also know that when you are younger, you don't really have all the relationship answers. And it's not the best time to measure the rest of your life based on how long your current relationships last or how toxic they are. It's not the best gauge on what's going to happen for the rest of your life. In my teens and 20s, I was a completely different person. My relationships failed left and right. And it only took a few more years. As soon as I got into my 30s, I started wising up and realizing, oh, I got to take relationships seriously. I've got to show up as a different person. I've got to work on myself. I've got to heal some of this old trauma, some of these old negatively charged thoughts. I've got to work on this stuff in me so that I can show up as the best version of myself in these relationships. And I think that's what we all have to do so that other people have an opportunity to honor us at our best. And I think that's the best we can do. I want to thank you for joining me today. When we come back, I'm going to say some thank yous and some goodbyes and my final words right after this. tell you what, there's no better time to talk about this service called BetterHelp. If you've been listening a while, you've heard me talk about BetterHelp before. I highly praise it. I highly endorse it. I highly promote them because they are filling the gap between what I offer on this show and what people are looking for beyond what this show and of course other shows and other resources can offer is that there's a point in time where you have to take your learning and healing and growing to the next level. And that might mean you have to bounce it off someone else. It's nice just to listen and learn and do what you can on your own. And some people can do that fine. But some people need that direct help. And that's what BetterHelp is all about. They aren't self-help. They are professional counseling. And there are several ways to get help through them. This isn't somebody that you get out of your chair, get in your car, go drive across town. They are really filling in the gap of what we need nowadays when we can't get enough from a podcast and we can't get enough from a book. What about taking it to that level where you finally want to tackle those negatively charged thoughts and emotions that you have inside of you and run them by someone 
that can help you through it in a safe and private online environment. I mean, it's so convenient. And as soon as you join, you can start communicating with them within 24 hours. And um, what's even better is that you can send a message to your counselor at any time. So as soon as you're in the system, you'll have this um, screen that comes up and you can see your conversation that took place via, it's sort of like via messaging in their private system. It, it's all private, it's all secure. And um, you'll get timely and thoughtful responses to that. And it's not just you know messaging back and forth. You can schedule weekly video or phone sessions as well. All from the comfort of wherever you want to go, in your car, at home, totally up to you. You never have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. It just makes the process so much easier and uh, definitely more affordable than offline counseling. And of course, there's a broad range of expertise available, which you know you may not find in your local area. Anything from depression and relationships like we're talking about today and sleeping and family conflicts and anger, even LGBT matters and grief and self-esteem. And like I said, it's convenient, professional, and affordable. And I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of this show, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com forward slash brain. Over 800,000 people are taking charge of their mental health. Maybe one of them can be you too. That's betterhelp.com forward slash brain to get started with the needs assessment and matching you with your own licensed therapist. Check them out today. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. As a reminder, head over to betterhelp.com forward slash brain and get 10% off your first month today. They'll help you figure out what's interfering with your happiness and preventing you from achieving your goals. Betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash brain. And I want to thank iTunes reviewer uh, Stale Island, something like that. They say, I struggle with a lot of the topics that are addressed. I'm finally letting go of the guilt I carried around for years. It made me realize how senseless it was and the damage it was causing me. It's just an amazing podcast. Give it a try. Thank you so much for that review. And I love, love, love seeing reviews where they say, I finally let go of something after all these years. I love those kind of reviews. And the people who write to me and say that too, everyone that says something good like that makes me feel good. Not because, you know, my ego is getting booster. Nothing like that at all. I want to be in a world where people are happier and healthier because it, it makes me feel good to know that something you've been holding on to for a long time is finally gone. That is powerful. That is so heartwarming to hear. And I can relate to this. I used to hold on to stuff. And we were talking about negatively charged things. I used to hold on to things for so long. My entire marriage, I held on to these emotional triggers. And every time my wife did something to remind me of that, I would hold on to it. I wouldn't even express it. I would just stuff it back down. And to be able to experience the letting go, the healing, and the releasing of something that you've held on to that was not serving you, that felt bad inside of you, that is a tremendous feeling. That is something that you, you can't even explain to other people. It's just a release. You just feel this lift. So when I see reviews like this, that you know, it's something I carried around for years, that just warms my heart. And I absolutely can relate to that. 
I felt it before and it is one of the best feelings ever. So I hope everyone listening to this show is able to release anything negative or learn something new about themselves or get into a new space in their life and their relationships so that they can live more peacefully and happily and healthily for the rest of their lives. And, you know, there's always challenges. Challenges will come along, but also be prepared for those challenges. That's my goal. That's my hope for everyone listening to this show, for you to be able to get through life prepared for the challenges. And yes, it's nice to be able to get rid of this stuff that we've been holding on to for so long so that we are prepared for the challenges. And that's typically how it works. Once you process and heal and let go of some of the stuff that has been making you feel bad, you feel new and improved and you are ready for new challenges because they aren't compounding onto the old challenges that you might still be holding on to. They're new and they can be handled as such with new tools and new resources. So thank you to that iTunes reviewer and thank you to anyone that reviews the show and sends me so many amazing messages saying that you know they're getting a lot of benefit. I, I hope you value the show. And the other people that value the show are, of course, the patron members over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I want to thank you if you're in the patron program because you are thanking me for the value that I provide on this show. And I am appreciative of that. And I recognize that what you are doing, it's especially nowadays, if you're still in the patron program, and you're donating any amount of money to this show, it is an honor and amazing to me, especially during this time, because times are tough for a lot of people. This is the pandemic, and uh, some people can afford it, some people can't. Some people can be a part of something like that, some people can't. And you are not required to do it. I just recognize those that are, and I want to acknowledge everyone in the patron program, and thank you. For your support of this show. It keeps this thing going. It allows me to continue this show and I appreciate you. So if anyone wants to donate or be a monthly subscriber to the patron program, head over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And of course, you get um, everything that I offer in that program as well, all the free episodes and workbooks and discounts off my products and coaching and things like that. Check it out at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. Thank you, existing patron members. I appreciate you. And of course, thank you to you. If you are a new listener or a continuing listener and you like what you hear and you do listen and you share the show with others, that means a lot to me too. I mean, it's just as meaningful to me because the more you spread this show around the world, the more the world knows about it and the more support, not only monetarily, but the more support the show gets overall. And if the show gets support and it's also a value to the world, guess what it does? I think it makes the world better. I'm not saying that, hey, my show is great and it makes the world better. I'm saying that if you are getting value from it and you share it with someone else who also gets value from it and their life gets better because of it in any way, then there's a great chance the world becomes a better place. So that's why I appreciate everyone that shares this show and tells others about it because it is also a way to show your support as well. And I'm just grateful for you too. And I mentioned earlier the Love and Abuse podcast. If you are in any type of relationship that is difficult, more difficult than it needs to be, and you can't figure out exactly what you're doing wrong or what's going on, maybe you need Love and Abuse. I mean, it centers around emotionally abusive relationships, but it also talks about controlling behavior, manipulative behavior, and behaviors that you really shouldn't see in a loving, healthy relationship. So it's important to find out 
perhaps if maybe your standards are being violated. I mean, if you're experiencing any type of difficulty in your relationship, head over to loveandabuse.com and find out if the relationship falls under any of those categories that I talk about over there. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. All right, for the last segment, the outro segment, I'm going to read you the last section of an email. Uh, I'm not going to give you the rest of the story. It's quite long, but um, this last section of an email, so I can give you an example of not only the standards, but also the question that comes with it, which is this person wrote, um, she had relationship issues, and she said, he just doesn't know how to tell the truth. I told him he needs to stop lying and getting involved with women. If he's not even ready to be in a relationship, that it's not fair and that he's messing with these women's feelings and hearts. He hijacked the conversation and we started talking about commitment. Said that I think too black and white and that I need to consider the gray area. We've been having the same conversation since December. I told him that I was done and that I am out of it if he can't be all in. He wasn't convinced that it was over, and when he dropped me off at the airport, he told me to call him when I got home so we can continue talking about it. I said, there's nothing left to say, but he still wasn't hearing me. I got home, and I let him know that I got home safely, and then I blocked him. And now it's been a month, and I've been struggling to stay strong, but now I am wanting to send him an email for closure because I don't feel like I said everything I wanted to say. I feel like he thinks I walked away because of the lack of commitment when it's really about who he is as a person. Is it a bad idea to open that door of communication again just so maybe I can feel closure by sending him an email? I also want to apologize for my faults because I know that I was no angel. I was needy and I put so much pressure on him to be my happiness. I was judgmental. I don't blame him fully as I know I had a choice. I have searched nonstop for validation that I made the right choice because I doubt the decision that I made constantly. My mind is a dangerous playground. Thank you for reading. All right, so this person who wrote, thank you so much for sharing this. And the person who wrote in the first segment, thank you for sharing all of that as well. I forgot to thank her. Um, The first thing I want to say is this is a great example of someone who says, you know what? I have standards. When you do this behavior, it is unacceptable to me. That's what she's saying in a nutshell. And what she did was instead of talking about this gray area that he brought up because he wanted more freedoms, he wanted to change the rules. And like I said, I didn't read the whole email, so you'll just have to guess what those freedoms are. But from what I can tell, he wanted to be able to play the field a little bit, I guess. But she wanted a commitment and he wasn't ready for one. So she decided knowing that it would hurt emotionally that she was going to say, you know what? You're either in a committed relationship or you're not. And I want commitment. That was her relationship value. That was her standard. And she wanted it that way. And she wasn't going to take any less because when she got home, she blocked him. I mean, she sent a message saying, hey, I made it okay. And then she blocked him. And that was her right and her decision to do because he wasn't going to meet her in that place. So kudos because you stood up for yourself even though you are about to face some painful times. And you're in those times in this email. You may not be there now because this email is kind of old, but you were in that pain at that time because you didn't experience the closure. You didn't experience what you wanted to say. And I just talked about that, it may have been last week, about not getting closure. Listen to that episode if you haven't already. Um, But certainly, this email is the epitome of, I have standards. If you can't honor those standards, I can't be with you. 
she did the right thing because if she had continued, it would have been painful and it would have been miserable and it, it wouldn't have worked out for her. It may have worked out great for him, but they are not on the same page. So this is the right thing for her to do. And so she said she blocked him and now she's struggling. So this is something I'll address now. She wants to send him an email for closure because I don't feel like I said everything I wanted to say. I don't think you'll ever be able to say everything that you want to say. In fact, in a relationship like this, I would be very careful because this person wants to continue a relationship without honoring your standards and trying to convince you to go outside your own standards, to violate your own standards. You have to be careful with people who try to convince you that you need to do something outside your standards because what will end up happening is let's just say that you emailed him and said, look, this is what I want to say, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and you said it all and you feel very good about it. First thing he's going to do is probably counter each one of those things and probably tell you why you're wrong or convince you or try to convince you why his way is better just so he can get his way. I know I'm totally assuming, I'm totally guessing, but I go on the premise that if someone is willing to violate your standards and wants you to violate your own standards, they're probably going to be the type of person that continues to do that because they've already shown who they are. So sending an email to someone just for you to get closure, it's going to open up a Pandora's box because then he's going to reply and then you're going to have a back and forth and then maybe you'll have second thoughts and maybe you'll get sucked into this relationship again or maybe not or maybe you'll just get angrier. I don't think it ever leads to closure. When you are dealing with someone who doesn't honor you honoring yourself, I don't think closure exists. I, I hate to tell you that because you want closure. You want to feel that sense of a finished project, you know, closing a chapter in the book of life. But you can't get it with people who don't honor you honoring yourself. You just need to remember that. And as sucky as that sounds, I don't think I've ever used that word, but as, as awful as that sounds, you have to accept it. Some people can't change. Hopefully he does. Hopefully he writes to you one day and says, look, I realize I was a jerk and I'm so sorry. And you were right to leave me. You were right to block me out of your life because I would have kept hounding you and hassling you and wanting you to do things my way because I wanted it the way I wanted it and I wasn't honoring your values and that was important to you and I shouldn't have done that and I'm sorry. Have a great life. Boy, we'll talk about the healthiest type of communication you can get from anyone. That would be a wonderful letter. Hardly ever happens, but it can. But he has to reach a new level in himself. He has to reach whatever realizations he needs to reach, but he has to do it on his own. Your letter to him probably won't help. I mean, again, it could, but I'm just working off the premise that he is not honoring your values or honoring you honoring your values. So that's why I tell you that. And you go on to say, I also want to apologize for my faults because I know I was no angel. I was needy and I put so much pressure on him to be my happiness. I was also judgmental. So let me comment on that. You know, we all have our faults. We all have our weaknesses. We all do things that maybe we wanted to do differently. We think we should have done differently. So that's going to be normal for everything. And it's great when we have an opportunity to apologize. Hey, look, I was highly judgmental. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. That would be nice. However, I do have to ask you what your underlying reason is. 
And what I mean is, let's just say that you apologize for your faults. Are you hoping that he will accept your apology and say, you know what, I'm sorry too, and I shouldn't have done that? Because if that's the case, if you are apologizing, hoping that his heart will swell with empathy or sympathy, if you are trying to change him in any way so that he sees your side, he feels bad about what he did, then I would say don't apologize for that stuff. Not to him. I mean, yes, if you see him and you want to apologize, absolutely. If you want to send him a a message or a letter, you can apologize and do that. But make sure you're doing it for the right reasons. If you are carrying guilt and you can't get away from the guilt that you're holding on to because you were so judgmental and you put so much pressure on him, then okay, feel free to do that. But don't do it if your intention is to also connect with his heart and try to make him get to the point where he apologizes back and now you're connecting in that heart space because some people will do that. Some people will say, oh, I'm so sorry for what I did. I shouldn't have done all those things. And then they patiently wait by the phone or by the email, waiting for that response, hoping that they have this long, heartfelt letter back saying, oh, you don't have to apologize or thank you so much for apologizing. I apologize too. If you're trying to create that interaction from your apology, I think you're doing it for the wrong reasons. If you're apologizing because you just are so riddled with guilt and you can't live with yourself, then maybe yes. I personally wouldn't do it. I think there's a point where you just have to move on, especially with someone who is not honoring you, honoring yourself. Again, that plays a factor into this. But I'm not going to tell you not to. But at the same time, I highly recommend that you check in with your intentions and make sure it's not to create more dialogue. Because if it is, then you'll open that Pandora's box, like I said, and you probably will end up in that same place I was talking about where you can't find closure because now the conversation continues and he continues trying to convince you the gray area is the best place to be. And if you're not ready for that, if that's not what you want, That's probably not the conversation you want to get into, and now the whole thing starts all over again. So again, I'm not saying that you shouldn't send the apology, but at the same time, if you can get over it yourself, you know, the worst case scenario is that he is upset that you are judgmental, and maybe he needs to say something to you, but sometimes it's just best to move on and live your life, and if you happen to bump into each other later, maybe you can apologize. I could go either way with this. If my ex-wife wrote to me and said, you know what, I'm still mad at you for doing this, this, and this, and this, then I would apologize. Then I would be like, you know, I think I did apologize for all that stuff anyway, but if there was something else left over and she reached out to me and said that, then I would certainly address it and it would be resolved. But at the same time, I don't look at my past relationships and think, why isn't that person apologizing for what they did to me back then? I don't think about it. I've moved on. And sometimes it's best just to move on because those people might have already moved on and suddenly they get a letter from you and they're like, what is this about? And you're stirring up some old stuff that doesn't really need to be stirred up. So you know where I'm going with that. (laughs) Sometimes it's just best to leave things in the past and know that you can do better next time. And I like to look at it this way. If you've ever heard my episodes on guilt, if you feel guilty for anything, then make up for it as best you can. Uh, Not necessarily with them because you're not in the relationship with them anymore, but in your next relationship where you go, you know what, 
I'm not going to be judgmental in this relationship. I'm going to treat this person so much better than that last person. I need to do this for not only for them, but for me. And that helps a lot with guilt is that sometimes you can't close the past with somebody else, but you can create an amazing present and future with somebody new. And, um, you know, this is in the relationship spectrum, but guilt works in all kinds of ways in all kinds of situations. And that's how I look at guilt is that when you're carrying it around, it's time to get over that. And how do you do that? One way is to make up for it now in another situation with another person and try never to be that person that used to be that way ever again. That's, there's so much more to that. You can listen to my episodes on judgment over at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And the last thing that this person said was, I search nonstop for validation that I made the right choice because I doubt my decision constantly. That's probably where the real lack of closure is. And um, when you think about a decision that you made that you continuously doubt, A, give yourself some leniency because you're going to make great decisions and you're going to make terrible decisions. It's just going to happen. You may doubt some decisions and you may have confidence in some decisions. That's life. That's the law of averages. That's what's going to happen is that when you make decisions, sometimes you're going to be right. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. And there's just no way around that. And secondly, in this case, when someone doesn't honor your boundaries or honor you honoring your boundaries or your standards or your values, then the decision to not be with them and block them is healthy and good. And you do not have to question it. Because if they showed up in a good way and you had great feelings about them and then you decided to just close it off and never talk with them again and there was no reason why, then we can talk about maybe a decision that you might have made that you could have done differently or something. But you've given a clear reason to make the decision that you made and there's no reason to doubt what you did. Because you're either going to expose yourself to more relationship radiation where you will get more and more toxic or you will distance yourself from that radiation so you can become healthier. So you made the right choice in my mind. That's my thought. So be okay with it. Move on. Move toward the future. Put all your time and energy and effort and into the now and into the future and stop looking in the rearview mirror so you don't have to worry about if you make bad decisions or not, because you make great decisions when you base them on people that treat you the way you want to be treated, because you're deciding that you're great and that you deserve better. And if you don't think you deserve better, then I'm going to ask you to open your mind so that you can step into your power. And this will help you be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want and be with the people that you want and be with the people that want you to be happy and honor you honoring yourself. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. <music>